cliffcentral.com. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Beyond Ears and Eyes. Yes, that's the Tibetan singing bowls. And you know when you hear that, we are ready to go with some interesting conversation on Cliff Central's Beyond Ears and Eyes. I am Shumaine Harris. Our controller today is Palisam Bui. And I'm Liesl Tom. Also with us in studio is Judy Clippen, Martha Beck, Master Coach, Author, and most importantly, coming into our topic today, an intuitive empath. Welcome, Judy. Thanks, Lisa. How, yeah. how would you define an empath? Let's just start with, 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 with the concept of an empath. So an empath is, is somebody who feels what other people are feeling. So it's, it's different from sympathy because when you, have, when you have sympathy for somebody, you can see that they are struggling and you can feel compassion for them. But when you have empathy with somebody, you actually feel what they are feeling. So either because you have felt it before, you've been in a similar situation, or you are experiencing a similar physical or emotional response to that person that you are having empathy for. So um, I still battle with it, I know. Is there a difference between just having empathy in general and then constantly living with this feeling of, um, you know, the fact that you think that you just can't turn it off um, kind of mm. vibe where you go, there, that is an empathy. What? An, An empath. empath. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that there are some people who are able to, when it's appropriate, have empathy. So, you know, when you see somebody who is hungry at the traffic lights, mm -hmm. if you feel empathy, you will be able to put yourself in their position, imagine what it must feel like, and give them some money or a jersey or whatever. Some of us, though, feel, we feel things very uh, literally and very deeply most of the time. And so with, with, with a lot of people, empathy kind of comes and goes as it's appropriate. Whereas with people who are empaths and who, f and, and who are in a, um, yeah, who are empaths, we, we kind of in a constant state of, what, of, of, of empathic feeling. What's the purpose of being an empath? Well, I don't know. You'll have to ask God. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, for, for, for instance, there must be a reason why you have a specific gift. Yes. Well, um, that's what yeah, I'm, yeah, how yeah. do you I'm make saying. sense? So, okay. Yes. So how I make sense of being an empath is that in my work and the work that I do, it helps me. So you me. identify as an empath. Yeah, I am okay. definitely an empath. Okay. Hi, my name's Judy and I'm an empath. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's very helpful in many ways because, say, for instance, a client walks into my room and they are feeling upset about something. But they are so out of touch with their own feelings that they don't realize they're upset. So I'll say to them, hello, how are you feeling today? And they'll say, oh, fine, everything's fine. But I will feel that they are feeling angry or frustrated or sad or depressed or hurt or whatever and then because I'm experiencing it in my body I can then say to them you know obviously I need to judge it and we need to have a strong enough relationship and it needs to not freak them out too much but I need to be I, I can then say to them you know when you walked in I suddenly started to feel really sad 
Um, and I'm wondering if maybe there's something that's making you feel sad that you aren't really paying attention to. Mm. And nine times out of ten, they'll say, oh, yeah, actually, you're right. I am feeling quite sad, but I, I just haven't really been aware of it. I often start off with something a bit less um, scary. So I'll say, I've started to suddenly have a headache or I'm feeling very tired. Tiredness is a big one. I often feel if my if my clients are tired, and, and a lot of them are because a lot of them have burnout, they'll walk in and sit down and I will just feel an overwhelming need to put my head down and go to sleep. And then I'll say to them, you're feeling very tired to me. Okay. But, but But how do you know it's not you whose blood sugar has mm. all of a sudden dropped? How do you know it's your client's feelings? Well, it's taken me quite a while to be able to, you know, know what's mine and what's theirs. And I just, I kind of take a mental step back and I say to myself, what is this feeling that I'm feeling? And who does it belong to? And if it belongs to me, then that's fine. I'll own it. But if it, if it, if I can't understand where it's coming from, if it's coming from nowhere and it's not, it's not seeming appropriate to where I'm at, then, then I know that it belongs to the person. And often it, it just comes like that. It's, I'll be feeling absolutely fine. The person sits down and I will suddenly feel hungry or have a headache or feel like punching someone in the nose or whatever it is. It's, 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 it's a very amazing thing, actually. So that's your clue, your, mm. your clue that it's okay. That's not mine. That's, yeah. that's, they just yeah. came in with that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's quite handy. You it know, it's handy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's handy to know that the, the signals for it. Mm. So I, I think it's, it's amazing that you can do that. Now you do mention when they come into your office, what do yes. they come uh, for then? What consultation do they come for? So I'm a life coach and they come to me for, a, I don't know, a range of reasons. Some people come because they feel, well, they mainly come because they're feeling stuck in their lives. Some it'll be in relation to relationships. Some it'll be with work. Um, some it'll be with old childhood patterns. I specialize in working with adult children who are people who had a childhood that was inconsistent or unpredictable. Right. Um, and they have developed a very particular set of coping mechanisms that served them well in childhood but aren't necessarily serving them so well in adulthood. You know that's most of us. Yes. <laughs> I know. I have an enormous target group. <laughs> Yeah, all messed up. Absolutely, world. and interestingly, one of the coping mechanisms that adult children and I'm one of them uh-huh. develop is becoming an intuitive empath because it's almost a survival technique. Right. So if you're growing up in a chaotic household, um, to be an empath or to be an intuitive empath is very useful because n- nobody has to come home and say, "Be careful, Dad's in a bad mood. Stay out of his way." You. Can sense it And so a lot of my clients are actually intuitive empaths And and a lot of the work that I do with them Is helping them to manage Their empathy Because as lovely as it is for my work And it's very helpful It also can be completely exhausting Mm, I was going to say You know, Shemaine said it's handy But it Mm. can be completely overwhelming Mm. Do you teach people how to Can I use the term Turn it off or close it down well, I teach people how to manage it, and, and it relates to that question that you asked me about how do I know whether it's my own feeling or someone else's, and that's really one of the things that I help them with is mm-hmm. to help them to identify, does this feeling belong to me? And if it doesn't belong to me, then what am I going to do with it? Am I going to give it back to the person? Am I going to put it down, or am I just going to acknowledge that it, is, it, it isn't mine? It's about being mindful of it because when you're aware of it, then you don't have to carry it around with you. Mm-hmm. Carrying people's emotions around with you when you aren't aware of it, that's when it gets exhausting and overwhelming. And that's when we get into all sorts of negative relationship behavior patterns and um, 
self-talk and all sorts of exhausting things that... Okay. So now those that, because you say most of them, because of the coping mechanism, mm. are empaths, um, do you then teach them how to, to identify that they are actually yeah. an empath? And then do you, I don't know, for lack of a better expression, kind of equip them with the skills on how to also then use it in, mm. in future, other than just, you know, saying, look, th- th- that's not mine. Because yeah. it's, it's actually something that you can use um, daily, Absolutely. You know, everywhere, if you're aware that yeah, yeah, yeah. you are an mm. empath. You can definitely use it in a, in a positive and a constructive way, <clears throat> as long as you are aware of it and you are mindful about how you're using it. Because a lot of the reason why people become burnt out is because they are not aware of their empathy and it is that, it is that constant carrying of other people's feelings and emotions that is just wearing them down and exhausting them. So that's one of the key things actually that I te- I, I talk to people, <coughs> excuse me, about developing a, um, a, a semi-permeable membrane. You know, those of us who did biology in high school learned about osmosis. Those of us who still remember. <laughs> <laughs> and so osmosis is the movement of, 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 of liquid through a semi or particles through a semi-permeable membrane from an area of high density to an area of low density. Oh, I don't know, the oh, other way around. Either way, I am, actually, as it like turns that. out. <laughs> um, but so that's what we need to do because, because we veer from, we tend to veer, we, we empaths from one extreme to the next because it can be so overwhelming to feel everything that's going on around us. We can sometimes just switch off. And so we, we try and cut everything out so we don't let anything in, which is fine because it's keeping the bad stuff out. But unfortunately, it's also keeping the good stuff out. And so I help my clients to develop that semi-permeable membrane, which allows good stuff in but keeps bad stuff out or stuff that doesn't belong to us out and keeps the good stuff in but lets the bad stuff out because the problem with a solid membrane is it keeps the bad stuff in as well as keeping the good stuff out. You just, you know, you, you touched on something where you said that some people don't know that, they, well, you alluded to it, mm. to the fact that they are empaths. So if there's someone at home who probably doesn't know, what would be the signs um, for them to, to look out for, to know that they are? Because there are people with a veneer that goes like, mm. but it's that thing of what you just said, I'm keeping everything yeah. out. And And what kind of advice would you give them? Because, and then. Because it would be nice also to know then how to protect yourself. Right. So I think that it, you know, it kind of manifests in two ways if you're unaware of it. The first is to just switch off completely and to kind of cut off. And One of those hard girls. <laughs> exactly. Because are, are you talking about like meditation switch off? No, I mean completely just kind of almost as though feel. you're looking through, a, through the world through a pane of glass. So you mm. can see what's going on, but you can't hear or feel because the, you don't want to, it's yeah, a choice. Because it's just, well, it's not necessarily a conscious choice, but it is a choice. It's a self-protection mechanism mm-hmm. because otherwise it's too overwhelming. Um, so if people are feeling like they can see things, but they're not really responding emotionally in a way that they feel should be appropriate, um, which I think is difficult not to do in this country. You know, every single traffic light we stop at, there's some... There's some desperately unhappy, poor, miserable person. And it's very hard to not 
survive in mm-hmm. this country without developing some kind of a, um, a distancing mm-hmm. mechanism. But that's one, you know, that's one extreme that if you just can't feel anything, you can't feel happy, you can't feel sad, you can't um, join in with, with people around you's joy or sadness. And then the other extreme, of course, is just to feel completely overwhelmed and exhausted and, and not want to leave the house because... Mm-hmm. Because everything just feels too hard. Mm. So before I worked out that I was an intuitive empath, I could never understand why I hated going to big shopping centers. But I would always get a headache. I would always feel depressed and jangled. Um, And, you know, I could go to a small shopping center and I would be okay. I mean, I don't love shopping. But but it's not the shopping center. It's Mm -hmm. the fact that I'm in close proximity to a whole lot of people and every single person who walks past me is having a good or a bad day and I am feeling their good or bad day. So after I've walked past a couple of hundred people. <laughs> You're like Cecil. Exactly. I want to get the hell out of there. Do you hear people's thoughts? You keep on showing your, your gut, your body. Are you very body aware when you're, a, when, when you're an yeah. empath? It's interesting. I mean, I can't speak for other people, but for me, it's not that I hear it. It's a knowing. It's not a hearing. It's a knowing. So I do feel it in my body. I feel, you know, I I think one of the best examples is a friend of mine had had a baby and I went to visit her. And she was in hospital in a semi-private ward and the the, the woman in the bed next door had also just had a baby. And I looked at her and I suddenly felt so depressed. I I just really felt overwhelmingly sad and depressed. And I looked at my friend Jenny and I said, that person next to you has got postnatal depression. And she said, how do you know? (laughs) How do you know? They've been working like they've been, they've been social workers and psychologists and they've been medicating her and she, you know, they haven't been letting her go out because she just had such a big postnatal depression. And it's not that I, it wasn't that someone said to me, I'm feeling depressed or whatever. I could just feel it. Speaking about depression, when you explained how people feel when they completely shut off, It sounded like the little bit I know about depression. Yeah, I think that depression can very much be that feeling of shut-offness. Um, it can also be a feeling of absolute despair and and sadness and a feeling like nothing's ever going to be okay in the world again. So it manifests itself in, in, in a couple of different ways. The the shut-offness, I think, is the, is the coping mechanism mm-hmm. because those feelings of sadness and despair – are so overwhelming um, that if you aren't able to shut that off, then then it really is quite dangerous. That's when people start to feel suicidal mm. and to want to kind of take themselves away from it. Have you ever felt someone's feelings of being suicidal? Yeah. Wow. How did you cope? I mean, did you did you want to kill yourself? No, I didn't want to kill myself. Because you knew could, it wasn't yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. But, I but could by feel the time could, yeah. you had figured yeah. it out, what yeah. if? What if? You know, you're an, you're an intuitive empath. You haven't figured it mm. out yet, and you all of a sudden just mm. want to slit your wrist Absolutely. or jump off a building. Well, I had that with anxiety. So I um, I used to pick up a lot of anxiety. I come from a family who, where a lot of people have anxiety, and I used to just carry all of their anxiety around. I also had it with insomnia. I used to think I was a terrible sleeper. I had a whole ritual. I was only allowed one cup of tea in the morning. I couldn't have any caffeine after 10 in the morning. I had to have a whole thing because I slept so badly. But I actually worked out about 15 years ago. It's not that I'm an insomniac. It's that when someone I love or I'm close to, even if they're on the other side of the world, is awake and having a bad time, 
I will wake up in in empathy, not sympathy, in empathy mm-hmm. with them. Um, and I worked that out actually when the same friend, um, her a, a child was in hospital in ICU, and I just couldn't sleep the whole night. And I just knew. And I woke, I phoned her in the morning, and I said, "We didn't have a very good night last night, did we?" And she said, "No, we didn't." <laughs> do you, in that case, then get the name of the person that you're feeling for mm-hmm. or with? Yeah. So now what I do is I lie there if I've got insomnia, for instance, and I think, "Okay, is this mine? No, it's not mine. Who do I think it belongs to?" And I kind of go through in my mind who I think it belongs to. When I hit the right person, and mm-hmm. I can feel it in my body. I just send them love, hope, give, send them good wishes, send them, you know, whatever it is that they need, send them peace. And I literally turn over and go back to sleep. For the person at home mm. who's recognizing what you're saying, mm. how can they go um, about their day and say, okay, um, I know it's probably going to hit me, but I need to find, you know, physical ways of, mm. of closing that Empathy thing mm. down so that I can function, mm. because I mean it's it's a, we all do it. I mean even it, even for people who aren't empaths, you mm. just you know you you know that some people's energy is negative, mm. some people's energy is positive. Um, you know when someone is taking a little bit of your energy, you can feel it. But now if if we speaking empath, then obviously the feeling is exaggerated. So how do you then say okay no, my space, mm. get out, get out, get out. So the first trick is to help people to learn to listen to their bodies Mm -hmm. and to start becoming aware of what they are feeling, not just emotionally, but also physically, because because until you are aware of what you and and your body is always talking to you. And it's a very good way of being able to to kind of connect with the fact that you are experiencing something, Mm. you know, just hold that thought. Mm. Somebody said the other day, your body does not lie. And, you know, when they said it. I looked at it. I figured it out. Um, truth, mm. truth, truth. Absolutely. Truth. But anyway, <laughs> go on. <laughs> yeah, there's a great book called Your Body Speaks Your Mind, um, which I always think should be called Your Body Speaks Your Emotions. Wow. Which, yeah, by Deb Shapiro. I use it a lot in my practice. So, so to tune into your body and to start listening to the signals that your body is sending you. And Martha Beck, who... Um, trained me and Liesl um, teaches this uh, <laughs> technique which she calls the body compass uh-huh. and she says that you can use your body as a compass to help you steer your way so when you learn the signals that your body is sending you, you will learn to establish that when you are doing something that is right, your body responds in a very particular way and mm-hmm. that means that you headed north when you are doing something that isn't right for you, your body responds in a very particular way that alerts you to the fact that you're heading away from your right, your true north, your right direction. So I do a kind of an adaptation of that with my clients, which is really just to check in with your body and to see what are you feeling, where are you feeling it. What if you're so out of touch? Well, some people are, and it takes a long time. And then I have to say, are you feeling hot? Are you feeling cold? Are you hungry? Are you tired? It doesn't matter. Um, it can be any physical sensation. And then so I say, what are you feeling? So maybe they'll say, I'm feeling tired. And then I'll say, why are you feeling tired? And then they'll either say, well, I only went to sleep at 3 o'clock this morning, which is mm-hmm. theirs, okay. And if they say, I don't know, I'm not sleeping, I'm feeling anxious or whatever, then we can go into… I procrastinate because <laughs> that's one that makes one feel tired. And we don't, we don't remember that. That's you know, true. when we're tired, but then you think… 
because you didn't do that thing. Exactly. But, but, but that's, a, that's a function of not getting enough sleep. If they are feeling tired because they, they didn't go, it's not that they didn't go to bed early enough because they were procrastinating, but they mm. did go to bed, but they couldn't sleep because they were feeling anxious because mm. we don't know why. If there isn't a real, like if they were writing a test this morning that they were feeling anxious about, that's fine. Then that anxiety belongs to them. If they don't really know why they're feeling anxious or they think about it and know that it's, I don't know, their child that's feeling anxious about a test. So then I would say to them, does this feeling belong to you? Mm. And if it doesn't belong to you, then we'll take one avenue of inquiry. If it does belong to you, what do you want to do? So if you're tired because you only went to sleep at 3 o'clock this morning because you were watching, I don't know, Madam Secretary reruns, <laughs> go to bed earlier tonight. If you're tired because your child is anxious about a test that they want to write, how can you help, your cl- how can you help yourself and help your child to feel less anxious so that you don't have to carry their anxiety for them? And that's a difficult one because you, you carry it anyway, yeah. you know, your children's anxiety. Mm. Do your proximity to a person determine how much of their emotions you experience in your body? You mean physical proximity? Physical proximity, but also emotional emotional proximity. Mm. I think for me personally, I think the emotional proximity is more determinant of how much I experience what they're feeling. Um, but I think for some people, so, you know, if I'm walking through Santon City and someone walks past me with a headache and I suddenly feel a flash of pain, I'm not in- close to those people. It's just like a physical passing mm. through. But if I'm very, when I'm very close to someone um, and they are going through something, and it's, it's interesting because I don't often feel... I don't have the empathic response if they are aware of what they are feeling. Oh, is that so? Mm, So you like their alert button? Yeah, I'm like their canary. (laughs) (laughs) And it's very interesting, actually. So if um, a family member is depressed, but they know they're depressed, then I can be there for them in a supportive way. But if they are unaware that they are depressed, then I feel depressed when I'm with them. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is, it is, it's a very interesting. But then it's nice because you can tell them, listen, go sort, sort this yes. out. It depends, yeah. as you long know. As they're willing to hear it. And also, you know, when you start it, you said, you know, you, 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 you start softly because not everybody's mm. open. So, mm. Do people think you're weird? Um, some people do. I mean, <laughs> people, people, people mm. who just meet you. And are, are you psychic? Are, are empaths psychic? That's the thing I wanted to know. I wanted to know what's the difference because apparently there are like, I picked up 41 different, uh, different empaths. Wow. Um, so um, we're not going to go into all of them, <laughs> <laughs> but one, but then, but you mentioned the intuitive. Mm. Um, so I wondered what, what is the difference between the psychic and intuitive one? So. It's mm, a difficult question for me. I'm definitely very intuitive, and I'm definitely an intuitive empath. So for me, an intuitive empath, and I first read, read about it um, in the books of uh, a woman called Judith Orloff, mm-hmm. who's a psychiatrist, um, and she talks about an intuitive empath. And the way she defines it is she says that you intuitively, so without needing to be told, feel what somebody else is feeling. So it's very self explanatory and intuitive empath and I definitely am an intuitive empath and I also am very intuitive mm-hmm. I don't think I'm psychic because you know one of the one of the the empaths that I picked up um, was um, a physical one and they have uh, it's also called the healing empath because what you are what you're describing mm. this there's, uh, there's healing I mean it's mm. not like you know 
Reiki or something. <laughs> yeah, but do you, that also. <laughs> <laughs> you see, so there you go. So, but you do like the men, and then a mental one where you also go and you know, like, um, you, you, man, there are so many. There's the one, the animal and plant empaths right, as well. So, yeah. so yeah, so I just wondered what the difference would be between the psychic and the intuitive. But uh, we can go I on don't now. Know. I must say, I don't know because I don't know what a psychic empath does. I um, think it's mm. just. Levels. Yeah. I think it's levels of, yeah. of awareness because, mm. you know, if you look at, at, at what a psychic is, it's someone who knows yeah. without being told. That is, well, that's, that's how I see it. And uh, please don't phone in and shoot me, but, <laughs> but you have that same gift. Mm. You mm. just call it something else. You see, for me, it's interesting because I have a friend who's a psychic and so, Sometimes if there's, you know, if someone loses their dog or if a child goes missing or whatever, they'll phone her and she will think about where they might be and see where they are. And that's, that's psych. And I suppose but it's isn't empathy that as well. Clear, clairvoyant. Yeah. And you are clairsentient. Hey, look at me. I'm clever. You are clever. <laughs> you are clever. <laughs> Judy, so if you pick up on people's negative emotions, mm. can you influence them can you send them positive energy and they feel less mm, negative i'd like to think that you can but i'm not sure because i think that the truth is i'm not taking it away from them the truth is that i'm just carrying it with them so it's not like i'm Fixing it for them And I don't think that I mean it's theirs It's there for a reason Mm. People feel emotions for a reason And so Just kind of sending them Positive vibes To help them feel better Is not necessarily serving them Because then they're not Hearing what the emotions Are trying to tell them I love what you are saying Because you know We had a discussion the other day That we as humans We don't want to feel What we consider The negative mm. emotions We only want to feel Those mm. highs And the spikes And the joy mm. But when it comes to Anger and envy And all those things That we have decided Are negative mm-hmm. We just push them aside And actually They're very important Because that's, mm-hmm. that's where we learn You know That's how we regulate Our yeah. compass Yeah absolutely And another um Speaking of campus, another Martha Beck tool is she is she invites her clients to do an energy audit. So she invites people to identify all of the people, places, and activities that they come into contact with in a typical in a typical week, and then to check into their body compass and assess. Oh, and sorry, and assess how they. How the energy levels are affected by spending time with those people in those places and doing those things. Um, and the fact is that, that our bodies are giving us very important information. If you get into a very bad mood every single time you see a particular person um, and you don't pay attention to that, you're not picking up the message that your emotions are telling you there's something about this person that makes you very angry. Mm -hmm. And either it's something to do with them or it's pushing something in you or whatever, but it's important information. We deny it, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, it's it's kind of that thing where I never knew. When I grew up, um, I uh, always heard people say, you know, Ye mak me nar, you know. Mm-hmm. You make me nauseous. Yeah. I did not realize that that was actually <laughs> a thing. A thing. <laughs> and then in my thirties, I I realized that every time I came close to a certain person, mm. 
I'd become terribly nauseous. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd have to run. Mm-hmm. So, so it's when we lie, mm-hmm. you know, that our body misbehaves and Absolutely. we get into all these troubled mm-hmm. thought patterns, physical illnesses and stuff like that. And if we carry on lying and ignoring our body, our body has to talk to us louder and louder mm-hmm. and louder. So it might have started off as just a vague sense of nausea. And it might, if you keep ignoring it, turn into a full-blown migraine mm-hmm. or um, vomiting attack when you see that person. Mm-hmm. It's, I always say to my clients, it's like, you know, when you have a small child and they want your attention and they say, mommy or daddy, look at me. And you're kind of busy and you say, not now, darling, I'll look later. They don't just go away. Mm-hmm. They, they keep asking for your attention they you know they they whine they smack you they cry they have a tantrum whatever it is that they have to do until you say oh look at you aren't you clever and then once you have paid them attention and given them what they Mm. need they go off and they play off on their own perfectly happily emotions are the same if we don't pay attention they get louder and louder and louder Mm -hmm. one of the things that i sometimes challenge people to do is to go sit and feel those so-called negative emotions. Because, you know, if you feel an emotion in your body, it never lasts for, I mean, I've never timed it on a watch, but it can't be more than 30 seconds. Yeah. I know, and it's so scary. But the thing is that because we're so scared of it, we push it and we push it and we push it away. But if we just actually allowed it to be, mm-hmm. I it's don't, not that scary. I don't know. You know that that um, that one can 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 put a blanket kind of thing over that because if I now think of grief, mm-hmm. you know, because now that thing will sit with you. It's not constant, yeah. but you might sit for a whole freaking hour and just weep your eyes out, Absolutely. and you actually feel the body aching. So, it, it and it and it and it comes and goes, but it's it's there for like. So maybe it's true in the sense that the body knows how much to time, and then it gives you thirty seconds, and then you have your moment, and then another thirty seconds, have your moment, and then until the hour is done. But I think there's a difference in a, a message that your body is giving you, so mm-hmm. making you feel nauseous because you don't like being in a particular place, or making you feel frustrated because your mother-in-law drives you nuts, or, or angry, whatever it is, because someone angry, is driving exactly. really badly. Exactly. <laughs> And grief, which Mm -hmm. is an appropriate response to loss. Um, And so I think it's also very important to to learn to differentiate between why am I feeling this feeling? So if I'm experiencing grief because somebody I love just died, what do I want to do with it? I want to just be in the grief and, 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 and honor that person and honor my own feelings by allowing the grief to be there. But we're told not to go there and to muddle and to, and to wallow in it and to get on with it. Well, you're not told Those that people by me. Are cruel. <laughs> no, no but I mean, we talk, we're speaking in general. What do you, sure. what do you say then? Because here's the other thing as well. We can almost all say that we are empaths or that we have empathy, mm. but on the different levels, you might feel it crazy mm. bad and and you might feel on another level crazy bad so isn't it possible that we all are empaths mm. just in different areas in life no, no? i don't think so i'm afraid okay. which is probably a good thing because otherwise it would be quite hard for the world to run if all of us were empaths but i don't think it's true that everybody is an mm. empath but They've we been, all have empathy at times well mm, hopefully oh but please I mean, say yes no i mean there've been <laughs> Not some everybody very, has empathy yeah, no there've Come been on. some very very really? interesting studies done and on empathy there's loads that you can read about and it. people just go like don't want to feel, don't feel, well, the don't na- know how the to. Well, the Nazis, the Nazi soldiers would not have been able to exterminate six million Jews if they had had empathy. How can you 
Do you know what I mean? You mm-hmm. have to. So, so yes. it's not true. Mm-hmm. Either they were, you know, they were. It was beaten out of them or whatever. But it's not true that everybody has empathy. Or it's learned behavior because you know what they, they. You take soldiers and they're very yeah, young, absolutely. you know, and you mm. tell them you put mm. the fear of God in mm. them, and you say when this war is over, you're going to get killed if you mm. don't want to do that, absolutely. or your family. Yeah. Do you know? So. I think it's like that whole thing of uh, suppressing. So you mm. go and you mm. do what dastardly but, thing. Absolutely, but I also think there there are um, there are levels, you know. So there's a coping mm. mechanism of okay, if I need to survive, I need to get on with this and switch off my empathy. And then mm. there were some really, really, really awful things that have been done by people to people that mm. really do show an absolute lack of empathy. But happily, they are, I think, in the in the minority. Well, Judy. Narcissists, mm. um, they don't mm. have empathy, mm. and and from all the reading I've done, empaths exactly. seem to have kind of this fatal attraction to narcissists. Oh, yes. <laughs> What's the deal? I don't, I don't know. I think if we came up Guys. with the answer to that, we'd make a lot of money. <laughs> just have to tell you, I find it terribly disturbing um, if you say that there are some people who don't have empathy because I think even psychos at some point no. must have a moment of no. like experiencing that. That no. is one of the defining features of a psychopath is that but they I mean, do not have empathy. I know, but at some point they must have. Because nope. uh, then it's like the same for us human beings. At some point, I was cruel. At some point, I didn't feel. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just going, like, as a human being, you go through all of them, and then with you, the one that, that's yours, you, you catch on, or that sits very well. So, But I do want to believe that we all have... Uh, <laughs> I also want to believe it, but I'm afraid to say, look around the world. I mean, you don't have to look very far, but look around. Yeah. There are a few scary people out there who yeah. aren't showing a lot of empathy. I'm not going to mention any names. I'll leave it up to you to come up <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, we don't talk politics on this show, Judy. Um, when we started, you mentioned that you help people with burnout. Now, burnout is obviously, you, you said, empaths mm. suffer from burnout mm. very easily. How do you then replenish Okay, so I have a program where I help my clients to, first of all, we have to regain their energy and then we have to give them tools to maintain it. So, so regain a, means what? So the regain is to kind of bring up your energy levels again. So okay, to be how do you able do that? To, you do that by resting largely, okay. by all resting, right. by eating the right food, by cutting out um, foods and drinks that cause your body to release more cortisol and adrenaline so you've got to cut out as I'm so much glad as you said caffeine that. and what about carbs and sugar drinking tranquil lights and things that can calm you down is that nonsense because uh, tranquilizers yeah you know we, well because, i think i mean i do think that sometimes burnout has reached the point where it does need some chemical assistance because your body is so out of whack and it is mm. so it's releasing so much adrenaline and the cortisol levels are so high that it actually isn't able to regulate but not to get anymore. stuck on it but not to get stuck on it so you have to so that's why i always talk about regaining and maintaining so it's not enough to just say okay well you know go to bed early Early for the next three weeks and you'll be fine. You've actually got to put in practice um, structures and and routines that support you so that you don't get burnt out again. Because when you have had burnout once, you are more than likely that you are going to get it again. It's like having had a stomach ulcer. If you've had one stomach ulcer, you are more likely to get another stomach mm. ulcer. 
Do you think or do you see yourself as a light worker? I don't really know what the term a light worker, I don't really know what that means. But I definitely think, I like to think I bring light to the world. And I definitely think that a lot of the work that I do with my clients is not always conscious and Mm -hmm. not always um, in the kind of physical realm. But Mm -hmm. I don't... So do you feel that you're very different to others? I don't think I feel very different to... to, I I think I feel different to some others. Okay. Um, I do think that the work that I do is quite particular because I I work with with a kind of quite a defined target group and I have a very particular set of skills, both intellectual and just what I was born with. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think everyone has their own unique way of being in the world and doing the work that they do. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just thinking because there are some people who are really like, I'm really a square, uh, you know, in this round hole. And, and for a long time, because when I listened to you for a long time, you would go like, I need to fit in. Mm. You know, and, and nowadays there's less emphasis mm. on having to fit in. Mm. There's more emphasis um, on finding yourself, yeah, you know, and, and being mm. What she's, she's very clever because I wanted to go exactly there. You know, <laughs> intuitive. Judy, when, uh, you know, normally if Shemaine starts an interview, because mm. she's much nicer than I am. Not I'm really. more, I'm more, you know, the journalist, get down to business, answer these questions. <laughs> she always starts very softly and very gently. And, um, as when we started, I thought, oh, I should have just taken Shemaine's approach and just asked you to tell us how on earth you, because you worked with the police, you mm. were one of these uh, take no prisoners, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, girls, you worked with the police and then you became a Martha mm. Beck life coach. Now, Martha Beck is not just, I mean, there are so many schools of coaching. Martha Beck's is quite touchy feely mm-hmm. how did you end up there tell us tell us about you well i think that i was always meant to end up where i am now and i just kind of took a bit of a detour so when i was little i always knew that i wanted to help people decide what they wanted to be in the world so that's why i'm a high school guidance teacher um, but so then, you really were a teacher yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> but then i was at university during the last dying days of apartheid and then I I um, got involved in the policing stuff after the elections and I just kind of fell into it and it was really fascinating yeah. and I loved it what Tiny, tiny them? woman I in the policing stuff I did change management and community policing and crime prevention Look at and, your body <laughs> And I was 24 at the time or Aww. 25 I, and I was very tiny The stupidity of youth I know exactly <laughs> That's brilliant. I think myself what were you thinking? I think it's brilliant <laughs> um, But the truth is that I've always been a very sensitive person. I've always been an intuitive empath. And so I did used to find it very, I loved it and it was very meaningful and it was very important work. And I am always, and I still find it fascinating and I still do some of it. I don't train the police directly, but I got severe burnout. I got like, couldn't scrape myself up from the floor burnout. And, and I went to my doctor and I said, I'm depressed. And he spoke to me for a while and he said, you're not depressed. You've 
having a spiritual crisis and you burnt out and you need to take some time off to decide what you want to do with your life. Oh, where is that? <laughs> <laughs> that man was so ahead of his he, time. Absolutely. He's amazing. And I took is some time. Is he still alive? Yeah, sure. Wow. That's, and he's still my doctor and he's wonderful. And I oh, took some okay. time off and I, after six weeks, I did new, and I had been thinking about doing the Martha Beck coaching for six years. And, then and I woke up and I thought, I'm going to America and I'm going to do this course. And yeah. Judy was the first South African to go to America I and was. be trained by Martha I Beck. Was. And then she lit so many fires in South Africa. I would love to talk Yours more to one. you. Mine was, mine was one. I'd love to talk more to you, but we've got a watch that says it's time to go. Already? And thank you and very and much. Yeah. And a Palisa who's giving us cute little smiles, begging us to leave now. Palisa, thank you so much. Thank that was you, Palisa Mbuye. On the controls and you sat through the whole day today awesome oh, and by the way you were listening to beyond ears and eyes on cliff central from the easel tom take care and from me shumaine harris have a wonderful week go get the podcast and share it cliffcentral.com